0: What's up everyone and welcome to the Long Game podcast hosted by Thomas Koppelman and Trey DeVore. In each episode, you'll hear us break down financial topics that are relevant to the lives of millennials and other young professionals. Our goal is to help bring credible financial information to you in short bite-sized episodes.
1: Thomas Kopelman and Trayton DeVore are the co-founders and financial planners at All Street Wealth. All opinions expressed by Thomas and Trayton are solely their own and do not reflect the opinions of All Street Wealth. This podcast is for educational, informational, and entertainment purposes only. It should not be considered advice. Please consult with your financial advisor, tax, legal, and any other advisors you have before making any decisions regarding your financial plan
0: all right what's up and welcome everybody to another episode of the long game podcast um this week we are just Trayton and i we actually had a reschedule but we're really excited about this um We didn't really think about it until, uh, honestly, like yesterday when we decided what what topic we were going to do, but we realized that we're 12 months in business fully as All Street Wealth. So this podcast is really, I think anybody can learn from it. Like we're going to talk a little bit about what the first year has been like, you know, how much we've liked it, what we learned from it, what we could do differently, and then wrap it up and give advice to other business owners, especially as like, that's kind of our niche like both of us are almost entirely at least mostly working with business owners and so I think it's really helpful as for us as financial advisors to also be business owners because we can just put ourselves in the shoes of everybody that we're working with because it's a lot to go through like I think like I mean just starting out for me I think that like you know, a couple of years ago when I started with Justin, my goal never really was to run a business. Like he, he, he always told me day one, he's like, dude, you're going to own a business. You're going to run it. Like I see myself in you. And I always said, like, I just don't want to be a business owner. Like, I just want to be a good advisor. I don't want to worry about like, you know, an office space or hiring people or taxes or bookkeeping or all those things. And then, you know, kind of got pushed into doing it. And I think it is a lot. Like I would definitely say that, you know, the job as a financial advisor is a lot as is. I mean, like we're marketing, we're getting new clients, we're figuring out tech, we're managing investments, we're meeting with people, we're creating financial plans, we're analyzing taxes. Like there's just so much to do. And I know so many advisors always talk about how busy they are, but then you have to add on the whole side of running a business. So now we're like, you know, updating our website, making sure we have all the licensing and then we have compliance. And then, you know, we just have, you know, do we want to be an escort versus do we not? Are we using the right bank accounts? How much should we be paying ourselves? How much should we be paying other people? Like, there's just always something that comes up. And I think, I don't know if I necessarily expected to have to do so much, but I think like, at least on my side of it, like, It hasn't been overwhelming either. Like, I I think it's been super fun. I I think for me, it's helpful that it's hard for me to get overwhelmed. Like, normally I see something and and the only way I get overwhelmed, I know, is by pushing things off. So as soon as something comes up, like if it's a big thing, first and foremost, I'm like, I got to get that done because as a business owner, like my action items or list of things that I can do is always like 30 to 50 action items long. And I think what I especially learned this year is how to prioritize and get the things done that one need to be done. And two, the things that will be done that will help alleviate my anxiety because they're such a big deal.
1: Yeah. And I mean, that exact thing, the last thing you said about like being overwhelmed is still something, probably the thing that I struggle with the most, because there's literally always something to do. And I mean, that's been one of the biggest things for me, like transitioning from nine to five into entrepreneurship is like you're responsible for everything and there's not just like a set end of the day for you like there's literally always something to do so it's hard to not feel guilty like if you want to take time off or just like relax for the evening like because then you just think about like the next thing that you have to get done the next day and it really just never stops um but I'm kind of curious to hear like your experience going from like kind of like nine to five, which it wasn't like that set schedule, but just like a normal financial planner and a business owner. Cause I was never a financial planner prior. Like I kind of just went all into it and had to figure out so many things. And I've kind of thought the same thing. Like when other planners say that they're busy or they can't find time for marketing or social media, and they're not even the business owner. I'm like, that's Like that's a prioritization issue. Like there's time to market, there's time to get things done if we're out here doing this and just like figuring it out on our own. But I was curious to see like what that difference looks like for you, like just kind of like day-to-day stuff.
0: Yeah. It's interesting because when I first started with Justin, like I definitely had more of the traditional nine to five, like come in, we worked in the same office. Like I sat on in his meetings and like, you know, as I started to get meetings, he sat in with me, but like we quickly deviated from that. Like, I think maybe three months in, he's like, dude, you don't need my help. Like, you know, you kind of handle your own things. And I would still do some like projects or like put things into financial plans for him. Cause he was paying me a salary above what I brought in, which was totally fair. And I thought I got to learn a lot through that because sometimes I would do plans and then I would go and say like, Hey, you know, is this right? And you know, what, what things need to be changed. And I, I found that to be really helpful, but I got out of the nine to five, like I worked from home most days, like, but I felt like before, even though like, it's not like I was getting paid a crazy amount, but like, I felt the anxiety of like, oh, I have no work left to do. It's two o'clock. Like, I gotta sit here and find something to do. Like now, even though there always is something to do, I've really learned how to like get done what needs to get done. And then when I have free time, take it. Because like the last few weeks, I mean, I've been onboarding a new household every week for a while now while still servicing, you know, 50 some households. And so it's a lot of work. And there's some weeks where like I am just drowning in work. And then there's other weeks like this week, I have five meetings. You know, Mm -hmm. this morning I slept till 930. Like I did the content when I needed to. I took Ellie for a couple mile walk. I'm going to do this. I'm going to like relax a little bit. I'll have another meeting. But like yesterday I didn't have much work to do and I worked till after five. So then the whole rest of the week, I don't really have much to do. And I think like figuring out how to be able to rest while being a business owner is super, super important because early on, I don't think I did that. And I would get really burnt out. And then that bleeds into other areas of life. And, you know, like, I think there's too many people who are like, if you're not working 60 to 80 hours a week while you build your business or whatever in your twenties, like that's just stupid. Cause you're never going to have more free time. And to me, like, I mean, we're scaling so fast and I want our business to be like, this awesome high revenue business. And like, I, I, I probably don't know another RIA that's beating us, but I refuse to like, you know, I had 17 prospects in the last six weeks. I refuse to take on two client households a week or do something else to make my life more unmanageable. Like, it's just not worth it. I I tell clients like, Hey, you know, we're six weeks away from being able to onboard a new prospect. And like, if I lose a few people because of that, to keep my sanity, I'm fine with that. Like, I don't have to have every single client. And so I think like, I think as an athlete growing up, you learned how to prioritize things. And I think that was super helpful with running a business of figuring out, like, what do you need for yourself? Like, what is the work that I need to put in to deliver the results I want? And that kind of goes back to your marketing play. Like, I I hear it from every advisor, like, I I don't have time to market. And I'm like, I know you can't be more, you can't be onboarding more than one client household a week, like managing all these other things, managing a business. And like, and we still find time to do the marketing, you have to figure out how to make it work and how to make it fit in. And so for me, I'm like, all right, Twitter, I'm going to schedule out a whole month of Twitter in one Friday afternoon. Like every morning I spend 20 minutes getting LinkedIn done, getting some comments in and going to Twitter. Like I spend 30 to 60 minutes on Monday writing a blog post. We do this, you know, the YouTube videos don't take very much time. Like it does not have to take that much time. And I was explaining this concept to one of my friends yesterday yesterday. And I think it's like, it's a weird superpower that I like claim to have, but I think that so many people spend so much time on work of getting things to be perfect. And there are certain things you should try hard to get perfect. Like you're, you know, let's say you're in consulting and you're working for a $500,000 project like that, that proposal or that, that plan that you deliver has got to be perfect. And like our
1: own financial plans too.
0: Exactly. But then there's like 90% of the rest of your job that like, It takes you 50% of the time to get to 80% done and good. And then it spends another, you have to double the time to get from 80% to 100%. But we have to realize that like content wise, like video wise, like your blog post wise, like nobody is paying that that like deep of attention to really know that difference of that 20%. And so what I've learned to do is like, I'm gonna accept putting things out there that are 80% as good as they possibly could be but I'm going to save a significant amount of time and I'm going to be able to do way more. And I think for me, that's led to such good results.
1: Yeah. And I think one good point you made, I I thought you were going to expand on it a little bit more, like with having like a lot of inbound um, leads and just like prospects, if like you're comfortable, like turning some of them away and I'm kind of in the same spot. And I think that's like a huge transition that a lot of business owners go through is like you're initially like you're probably like kind of desperate for business like you don't know what works you you're not making money yet you like you're still just trying to figure things out but then kind of once you have your like minimum expenses covered and you just know that you're just kind of like okay month to month like your whole kind of just demeanor changes like you get more confidence like you can you really just feel it like when you're meeting with people it's not like oh I need this person to be a client it's like if this person's the right fit, I hope they become a client. If they're not, I can send them to another advisor and just kind of like building that abundance mindset um, has been really big for me. And then one thing you hit on was that um, like getting that rest as a business owner. And I felt bad, like, cause I would get tired at like one, one in the afternoon or whatever, but I would also kind of like start at like 4am. So that's like basically oh, okay. a full work, full work day at that point. But then I started taking like 15 to 20 minute naps whenever I get tired, like instead of just trying to like work through everything and just like finish this last thing, I'm just like, I'm going to take a break. Like I've already done a lot of work today. Just lay down. I might just be like sitting on my couch and just close my eyes and just like pass out for like 15 minutes, wake up. And it's like a brand new day started. It's the craziest thing. Um,
0: I think, well, here, I think figuring that out is huge because I think like. People shame doing a schedule that's not like the ordinary, like, like for me, I, what I came to realize is like, right when I wake up in the morning, I'm really motivated to get work done and my brain's working really well. So like I wake up, I grab a coffee, have some water and I do like two to three hours of marketing work, client planning work, like whatever's on my action list, like I get it done, but then I'm pretty, I'm pretty drained after doing that. Cause like, I just go deep focus mode. I don't touch my phone. I don't, I don't do anything other than what needs to get done. Mm-hmm. And so then I found out like if I go work out in the morning before that, I'm pretty drained and I'm not like as into that deep work mode. So I do my work and then I go lift at like 11 a.m., come back, have lunch, and then I do my client meetings all afternoon. And I'm really refreshed because I had like that workout I had food in and you know I found that's how I do my best. Cause otherwise if I like wait and work out either in the morning or at night, I find myself like towards the end of client meetings or halfway through the afternoon, I'm really drained and I'm not my best self. And that might not be normal, but like, that's what you get to do as the business owner. You get to figure out like, how do you operate at your best and make your schedule around that.
1: And that's also like kind of one of the hardest things because you're, especially when the business is first starting, like you're still trying to figure out like, what even works like how to measure success and like where your time is best spent so i mean at least in my experience like the the 70 the 80 the 90 90 hour weeks that was kind of like the first year because i just needed to like figure things out and i had so much to learn that it was literally taking me 70 80 90 hours a week to figure out what i need to be doing and then like actually taking those actions but now kind of like in the second year that's those hours have kind of just like slowed down. Like now it's probably more, more normal, like a 40, 50 hour week. I'm just like, I know where I should be spending my time. I know what's like providing value to the business. I know what I'm good at. I know what I don't like doing and can just like keep like iterating on those things and just like revisiting, like auditing your time really. Like, what am I spending my time on? Is this adding value to the business? do I actually enjoy what I'm doing here? Is there something that would be more valuable for me to spend my time on? Like time's the most important thing for a business owner, for sure.
0: Yeah. And I think that what you talked about of like, what do you like? What do you not like? Like, I think for me, a big reason why I started my own is like, I really do want to do the job that I would love. Like, I really want to create the role where and I already do pretty much look forward to every day. Like I don't really dread any work days unless it's one of those days I have like five meetings and then my my fifth ones at 7pm like I think it's a little fair to kind of dread that it doesn't mean I don't like my job but like, I, I got the advice from everybody that, um, you know, I had some people who say like don't hire early because like, it's not as much to do that and like it's good to know and so I definitely spent the first you know, six to nine months of all street wealth of doing every job. So I could figure out like how to do the paperwork and those things that I didn't really have to do when I worked with Justin. Mm -hmm. But then what I realized is like, what do I actually love? Like, what is energizing for me? Like waking up in the morning and writing a blog post or like doing a video, whatever, going on Twitter, energizing. It's super energizing me, like writing my newsletters, like all of those things I really like. I really like, you know, new prospect meetings. I like getting to know my clients. I like helping the light bulb go on. And I like growing the business. Like, I don't really like doing any of the paperwork. I don't really like, you know, I want to tell clients like, hey, you know, this rental property we have, like, unless you raise rent 600 bucks a month, like, look at this, this is a horrible investment. Like, they're, you know, I want to tell them that, but I don't really care about doing the spreadsheet and finding the analysis. And that's why, like, I hired so fast. And I think the other side of it too is, we got to where we're at at a really young age. Like I'm I'm not gonna pretend anything different than that. And I also think that there's still a lot to learn. And I always had this uh, part of my mind of like, well, what, if, what do I do when there's things that I don't know? And then like, you can try to find time with another advisor, but then it takes a lot of time. You don't really have a set process. Like what if they have different beliefs behind it? And so I was like, well, hiring like a really, really talented CFP who wants to do that analysis, who actually likes it, well, one help me do more of what I like. It'll help fill an insecurity I have. And like Justin always told me, like, I'm a really good planner. I know a lot of the stuff, but like the clients that we're starting to work with, like one of my most recent clients, like wife is a partner at a law firm, like super complex situation. They own three rental properties, a plot of land. Mm -hmm. The husband owns a business. He's selling another plot of like, they there's just like six businesses going on, like super high expenses, super high income. And it's like, I don't know if I would have been able to handle all of that like fully on my own and take them on. But like now I feel like I can take on basically any client because of, you know, how we built around it. And then now, now an assistant is going to be starting in October because like, sure, I could make $30,000 more a year if I didn't hire those roles, but also like the amount, like I couldn't scale at one new household a week. Like before I was scaling at two new households a month. Cause that's what I could manage now I'm able to double scale. And, you know, in the last six months, I'll have added like 8K a month in revenue from clients. And I probably would have been able to do half of that. So what they're allowing me to do is actually going to help me make more because we figured out a really robust way to work together where it doesn't take them a lot of time. And it frees up my time to do more like revenue producing things and things that are energizing.
1: Yeah. And that's a really good point. because. He's like, you have to be such a self-starter to like really even succeed in business and knowing like what investments to make and like capital allocation. Like no one told us that we should hire this paraplaner is our very first thing before we really needed it. Like and people, most people I, tell you like, not to
0: like, exactly. I don't really know many other ones, like paraplanning in most business is like data entry. It's not actually like people are doing the plans. Like most advisors are too hands hands-on and don't really want to hand that off. Or they think like, well, that's mm-hmm. my job. That's what I should do. And I'm just, I don't want to box myself as I'm a financial planner. Like I really think of, I think of myself as a financial planner, but I also think of myself as like, I mean, or both of us as like co-CEOs. Like, I don't think necessarily financial planning, like I I think that drives our business, but I still think like I'm not just wearing one hat and financial planner is first. I think like at the end of the day, my job is to deliver the best experience and the best outcomes for my clients, regardless of what my role in that is.
1: Yeah, like to me, at the core it just like i kind of just feel like a creative entrepreneur and i feel like that kind of like matches like the direction that we're going with the business like with working with other business owners because we're kind of like defining our specific problems that we solve for specific people and we're solving them in creative ways like we have our subscription based service like no other financial advisors really do that like a lot of the ones that we know do but for the general public right. like oh, yeah. people yeah still just like investment management only like business planning isn't even really known as a thing. And just kind of like with us creating content, figuring out what we enjoy doing and who we like working with, we've figured out that's like the set of clients that brings us like the most joy and who we can provide the most value for. And because we're business owners ourselves, like we can almost do like consulting and be an asset to our clients as well, outside of just like- We do. The traditional like role that we should be playing. Like we're so much more than that.
0: Yeah. And I think that's, what's interesting. And like, I think, you know, when I first started, I remember Justin had a $300 a month model and I'm like, man, who's ever going to pay $300 a month for like financial? Yeah, like I started
1: on 80 bucks a month. Cause I was like, I still thought that was too high. I'm like, is yeah, anyone going to pay 80 bucks a well, month? Because like, you
0: a- like the people, if you're working with a 22 year old, there's just not that much to do. But then like, you know, now I sit down and I'll sit down with the business owner. I'm like 800 bucks a month is what this is going to cost. Because like, really my job is I'm going to help you on your personal finances. And then I'm going to consult you on the business from everything from like business setup to bank accounts, to quarterly retirement taxes, to, to retirement plans, to hiring, to what you can pay yourself to like, you know, diff like, Hey, you know, time's going down. Like, let's, let's audit through, like, who do we, who do we let go in these situations? Like, you know, I have a bunch of businesses that are going through that now, like buying out other partners, bringing on capital. Like there's just a lot of people go through. And then I sit there and it's like, Oh, it's, it's $9,000 a year to work with us. You couldn't hire any part-time person and pay them only $9,000 and I'm going to help you solve every financial problem. Like I promised your assistant that you'd pay 10 hours a a month or 10 hours a week that would cost you that same amount. We are going to, we are going to solve higher level problems and help you with your business way more than a different role that you would hire. And so like, you know, now we've raised our fees a ton. And I think that's like a good lesson. Like we started at 150, 200 and 250 a month. Like those were our three models then we went up to 200 250 300 then 200 275 350 and then 350 450 and then 600 above for business owners now i got rid of 350 i only have 450 a month as a minimum and then 600 plus to business owners and like we're still like i'm i get like maybe 25% of prospects say no. And it's because they are people that don't fit. Like they don't fit those fees because they're too simple of where they're at. But the people who are like, you know, working in tech with Equity Comp or their business owners, like 95% of them say yes, because they have complex enough situations. We can articulate and show our value. Our clients will speak to what we do well. And so I think it's one of those things that like, you can say like fees are too low or too high, but the market's going to tell you. Like I never thought by year one, my minimum client would pay me $6,000 a year. Like my first client I ever brought on paid me $600 a year. I had people say no to $600 a year. And then now I have clients that pay me $1,600 a month because we're providing enough value and solving enough problems for them. And like, I think we're at a pretty good spot now, but the hard part is like, We're going to scale in like, you know, I want to build a whole team around us. Like I want to have, you know, personal CFO, like paraplanner, assistant, like we're going to do really good deep work for complex people. Like I don't think we'll ever slow down raising our fees until we, people really start to say no, because like if still everybody is saying no to my $600 a month business owner model, it's probably too low. Like I should be getting people to say no, to have a sign that like, here's the right fit. And some people think that this is too much, but we're not really getting any hesit- hesitation on it.
1: No. And, and I think that's another massive thing for business owners is like changing the mindset from like price of service to like the value of the service, because I mean, lawyers, I don't know how much they charge, but it's a lot. And I mean, that's a very specialized thing and we're specialized as well, but there's a lot of value that they're providing. there. like, they're saving their clients a lawsuit. They're saving them from potentially jail. And it's like, we might not show like, okay, we're going to make you this $6,000 back this year, but there's a lot of other things that play into that from like, whether it be tax savings or like literally just peace of mind, like knowing that you're taking the right steps and moving in the right direction. Um, There was something else I was going to add on to that, that you were just talking about. Um, Completely slipped my mind.
0: That's okay. You'll think of it. I like, I mean, I just think like you know, I think if you have a business idea, like you would be foolish to not do it because like, I I don't know if I was listening. I think I was listening to Lex Friedman and uh, the CEO of Coinbase talking. And he was like, you know, you know, he, he definitely oversimplified this and acted like, you know, anybody can start a business, get capital, pay themselves a salary. So there's no risk. Like, I don't think that's true on everybody being able to get capital. Mm -hmm. Like, I definitely think there's a risk to starting your own business, but like, I mean, they, they talked about how like at all these major companies now, especially with standardized testing going going away for colleges, like there's no true way like to know whether people are prepared to start a job and whether they're going to be good at it. So now businesses are starting like standardized, te- standardized testing for applicants to know if they even qualify.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: his point was that like as college becomes less valuable, like there's just less a differentiating factor between good schools and bad schools, which you can agree or disagree with that however you want. But he's like, like if you go start a business and you you know, do it for two or three years and you fail, you are a better applicant to any other job than anybody else because like you learn more through failure. And, and so like if the mindset is like, what if I fail? Well, if you fail, like look at the financial situation, like are you going to be able to weather that over two to three years like you obviously don't want to put $3 million into a business and lose it but if you fail the worst thing that happens really is monetarily but most the best part about it is you're going to learn so much like starting a business marketing working with clients product to market fit like all of these things your network is going to
1: be insane like you're going to know so many people to set you up like if you fail someone is going to help you get to that next step
0: but what but what if it succeeds too right i mean it's like a flip of a coin right you know you have a chance that it's going to succeed and be awesome and it's going to be everything that you ever wanted and then you have the 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 downside mm-hmm. of well it failed but i learned a ton and now like i could probably even go to a higher level role at a startup because of the experience i've had and you know running a role like that so i just think it's like too many people are fearful and like you need to put on the entrepreneur hat and be mm-hmm. instead of what if i fail just be like what if i create exactly what i wanted because i i mean i will a year ago our goal or like my personal goal was that like, you know, I would grow continue to grow and add at least a client a month. Like, I remember saying like I hope I I'm averaging about $100,000 of revenue from my clients at the end of year 1. So mm-hmm. that'd be about like, you know, what $8,500 a month. And then things were starting to go pretty well, and then in February, Travis Gatzmeier and I sat down and he said like, I want to make a really lofty goal for the two of us that I don't think either of us are going to hit, but I want to put it there because I think that's going to push us to get there. He said, so by the end of December of this year, I want us to get both to get to a point where we're basically at 140,000 would be our annualized revenue. So like what $12,000 a month. And as of now, I'm going to be at like almost $15,000 or 14 to $15,000 a month of revenue with still four months left. And Mm -hmm. it's just kind of crazy to look back and be like, you know, I was so nervous. I was worried that, you know, I started a new firm, like what if, you know, Justin's reach was what the reason why I was starting to grow or, you know, you can just come up with all these reasons why things don't go well. But I also think it puts in my mind, like the goal setting thing is super important. Cause I even remember like three years ago when I was even at Thrivent, I put down like, Hey, two years from now I want, or I think it was three years from now. I want to have you know, X amount of client households over a hundred thousand dollars month the client revenue. And I was like, I don't know if I'll ever get there. That seems crazy. Got mm-hmm. there. And then now you make the next goal and the next goal. and like, these lofty goals, like there's definitely something of putting pen to paper to it. And it's also something of like, here's my lofty goal. And then you achieve it. Like that is such a confidence booster in yourself and what you're capable of when you give yourself a stretch goal and you can accomplish it. And if you don't, then you look back and say like, okay, what did I learn from this? What could go wrong? And like, what's my next goal that I'm going to try to accomplish? Because it's like the same thing as working out. Like if you're just going through the motions, but you don't really have any goals, it's really hard to push yourself because where are you even, what are you aiming for?
1: Exactly. And, And the one thing that I was going to say earlier, which I think can like translate across a lot of different industries is like when we were raising prices, like I didn't feel too comfortable with it because I was like, it just like, it was hard for me because I kind of started the firm with the altruistic mission of like, this is going to be super affordable, just like accessible financial advice. And then once I started like actually providing that as a service, I realized it wasn't super sustainable for me. And it just like, wasn't the best model to just kind of like scale and grow with. <clears throat> um, so then kind of like when we like rebranded as All Street and like created these new packages, it was like a lot for me to like want to do, but I was like, I know there's value here. And then like one thing we did, because I mean, we're the owners of the business, we have control over it was like, keep the project pricing thing. So it was like, if someone isn't ready for ongoing service, then we still have like this one time thing to just help someone get going in the right direction. And then we kind of rebranded that service as a one meeting, one plan. And I mean, I think that was just like a really good like case study in general of like, there's problems out there. We don't know exactly how we're going to solve it, but we're, we're going to keep working towards that. So now we have like the higher end service, which is like what we're best at and provide the most value in. And then for people who like aren't at those income levels yet, or really just don't need an ongoing planner, we created our one meeting, one plan service to just have that one-time thing to get someone going in the right direction. And then now we're working on All Street Academy to have like financial education stuff, like it'll be a more affordable course. And then there'll be like a lot of free stuff. And we're already doing a lot of free stuff on our own. So we've kind of like spotted like all those like little gaps in like the financial planning market. And we're basically filling them all with our services and then marketing them. And I mean, I think that model is going to work really, it's already working really well. And I think it's going to scale really well.
0: Yeah, that's a good point. I like when I started, I thought like my niche would be like, you know, W-2s, like, salary people or, like, you know, dual income households, and I've completely deviated from that just because of, like, what do I know? Who do I provide the most value for and who needs the most help? And, like, you know, millennial business owners is just such an underserved market, and we're in the creator economy. There's so many business owners out there, and they're doing this with like no business experience. So they have so much to learn and they like willing to outsource it because they're so busy. But like, I think the mission is so noble of like, I want to help the most people at the lowest price. But like, what you realize is that like, you can't give a whole lot of service to people. And like, we're not saying that we won't do it like all street Academy. I think there's more places now who are doing the like, you know, group classes. And maybe it's like, Hey, everybody, it's 50 bucks a month, like January, we're going to talk about automating your finances. I'm going to teach you that like, you know, or or budgeting or whatever. Then we're talking about like what insurances you need, how to determine if you need it. Like, and you just kind of do a content calendar like that, like that could be part of all street Academy and we could be helping, you know, more of those type of people. But like, just to me, it's like, you know, I have with my clients, I have one night of client meetings then I play basketball one night. And then it's like, do I want to add another night? Because those classes are going to be, have to be at night. And to me, like, I just it doesn't fit my life to be like Then I'm going to be busy almost every night. Like I want to spend time with friends. I want to spend time with my girlfriend. And so like, I haven't implemented that, even though I think it's a good model and maybe you lead that with all street Academy. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, or maybe we find ways to do it at lunch or something else that might fit better, but like,
1: and then like, you know, the, I mean the nice thing and kind of like what Jack butcher talks about all the time, like his build once sell twice is what we're kind of doing with the financial planning service itself. Like we've done it for clients. And then now we can kind of like go back and like create this like DIY financial planning, financial education course sort of thing, and just scale our knowledge. Like someone could buy that at any time and have like us teach them every part of finances that we think would be valuable. And I just think that's so cool. And I think that could, Translate to so many different professions right now, and I think that's going to happen in a lot of professions going forward. Especially like teachers, like there is so much wrong with the school system right now on so many different levels, like from the pay to the safety to the actual just like functionality of it. Like I, I think I would like to help teachers like figure out how to like productize their like lessons and their expertise and be self-employed and educate through the internet instead of educating in a classroom because we're kind of doing that with financial planning stuff and financial education like I feel like both of us could go get a like person like an adjunct personal finance like professor sort of job thing but we can package it and impact every single person on the planet with an internet connection if they bought it like I think that's crazy
0: yeah and I think also the other cool thing is like know the build one sell twice like we're even thinking about like as things that we do that are unique that like you know the other people are not doing how do we then also use it to impact people because like we're going to be selling our financial plans coming you know the end of next month early october and that's really not much work like I, I mean, the amount of iterations I took to like finally get to the plan and then we had, you know, a, a marketer help us and then you took it finally and made it look amazing. But like, that was a lot of evolutions. And we're like, everybody keeps telling us they're beautiful and they have nothing else out there. And I know there's beautiful financial plans and there's a couple other options out there, which is great. Like you we, you don't want one solution. Like everybody needs different options based on what they're looking for. But it, we're like, we're gonna spend like three to five hours to turn it into something that we can sell like why would we not cuz one we can help more people like so many financial advisors are terrible on the creative side they want better financial plans they don't know how to use software like we're going to teach them how to do all of that through there and you know most financial advisors charge 250 to 500 dollars an hour if we sell this for 500 to 1000 dollars like it would take them like it it would it took me probably <laughs> 75 plus hours of iterations of making this financial plan like it's just not that easy and so people to be able to buy that So we have impact there. We can bring in more income. Like, we can still, like, you know, people using our designs makes us look even better in the light of the industry of, like, leaders of the industry. Like, you can do- That's already happening. That's already
1: happening without our approval.
0: (laughs) I know. Like, it's, that. like, pretty cool. Like, I mean, yesterday I sat down with Samantha Russell and she's like, hey, I'm working on a marketing presentation for Future Proof, like- I want to use you and what you're doing as a reference and like you know your shift to zero click content and like she wanted my feedback and then she wants to do like a live thing with us to showcase she's like you know we surveyed she's like somebody surveyed like 2,000 advisors and asked like how many of you have ever got a client from social media and it was like less than one percent had like had ever gotten one single client from social media and then to come to realize like we're getting clients from social media without dming people like they're literally going to our profile Because they like what we say enough to book a meeting with us. And like, we've never seen their name, heard their name, or know anything about them before that day. Like, and we're getting like, I went back, like, I think we've had 70 this calendar year already. That's crazy. Like, 70 in this time period. And most people have never even gotten one. Like, so there's something that we're doing right. And like, for us now, I think that's another thing, go back to business owners, it's hard to really like, figure out what direction you take, because there's like so many things we can do. We can do group classes and we can sell financial plans. Then we can do courses. And then we could teach advisors how to market. We could do a course on how to use Twitter to go grow clients. Like here's how you use blogging. Like there's just a million things that we could do. And it's like so hard to figure out, but it's also like super exciting. But I think as a business owner, one thing that like I try to always hold true to us is like, where is our time best spent today? Because like All of those things are things that we'll probably do at some point. But like in the first couple of years of scaling our business and what our hourly rate is and what we get paid, like our time is best spent building the business. And so we're doing some of those other things, but not where it takes away from the main core focus, which Mm -hmm. I think is just really Mm -hmm. good advice for business owners of like, what is the thing that you're best at? And really develop that first before you go out and try to, you know, find seven different revenue streams.
1: Yeah. Like if I, if I had unlimited time, there would be like 10 active projects going on almost at all times. Cause I just like have that many ideas and that many things that I think could work or be valuable to someone. And, and I think one of the biggest things is like, just knowing that you can't be everything all at once, like context switching is a real thing. And from like a productivity standpoint, like one of the biggest things for me has been like time blocking. Like I will set two hours to like write this blog post or write this newsletter and I'm not doing anything else within that time. And that's just kind of like on a day-to-day basis. And you could even do that like month to month or year to year would be probably too much, but like month to month within the business, like this month, we're kind of like focused on All Street Academy. Like we're not actively doing something every single second, every single day but we know by the end of the month, we want to have this course released. And it's just whatever time we have available within the next 30 days, we're going to do whatever it takes to get that course ready to launch at the end of the month. And I think we're going to take that approach with a lot of things. And that's just kind of like how you, especially just like a small company, like we're two people trying to do all this different stuff. You just have to figure out like you were saying, like where's the time most valuable spent, but then also plan ahead so you can start taking those next steps and planning ahead at the same time.
0: Yeah. And I think that kind of leads into a really good point of like, um, you know, as a business owner, like you can't make excuses. Like it's just, you know, the amount of times I hear people like, I don't create content because, you know, I want to, but I don't have time. And then that and then like I didn't do that because of this. Like, I think like, especially with joining a partnership like we did, if your partner is somebody that you have to worry about whether they're going to get done what needs to get done, it is going to be miserable because there's so many things that like, you know, for example, like we just talked before we hopped on here, like. We have a retirement, like we put out a guide every month. Like, you know, I do probably, you know, 66% of them cause you do all the editing and make the visual design. So we are like, that's, what's going to be fair and make up for it. But like, you never have to worry that I got it done. I never have to worry that you got it done. Like if I had to be following up with you to make sure you got your part done, you're like, Hey, the it's supposed to go out in like two days, Thomas, have you done it? Like, we never have to worry about that with each other. And like, yeah, and, I, and I don't and think it would have like- ever worked if we did.
1: Exactly. And like, just for the listener's sake, like that's it's so true because you said, like, I don't, I didn't even know, like, I forgot that I finished that. Like, I didn't know if it was done or not. Just like the fact that it was just like, finish it, hand it off. Like, I don't need to worry about this anymore because Trayton's going to get it taken care of. Like, that's, that's insane, honestly. And the fact that that's happened, I mean, that's basically been happening since day one, but the fact that that's already there, like established within the first year. I mean, that's crazy. Like, I think, I don't know if there's like a stat on it, but I know a vast majority of partnerships fail because it's like, it's not easy to run a business and it's not, it's way harder to do it with someone else. If you're not on the same page, like it's almost like marrying the wrong person. Kind of, it's like you're, you're building this thing for a lifetime, unless you're going to sell it, you better get along with this person or you're going to hate your life forever and you're going to resent this business. And then you're not even going to want to be in business anymore
0: like, I can't even think of one thing this year where I had to follow up with you or you had to follow up with me to get it done. And like the amount of things that we've gotten done, like, I just think that that's crazy. But I also think like, as a, like literally as a business owner or anybody who works with clients, like that should be your number one focus is that whatever that you say you're going to do gets done because like, you go look at our reviews, like what, we have 45 star reviews from our households, like the rest of them, like haven't gotten to do it yet but i guarantee you every single client will have a five star. i mean that's also a
1: massive percentage what do we have like 60 65 households and
0: maybe we maybe have like just under 60 so we have you know 70 percent of our households have given us a five-star review thus far and a lot of them like we have like i have like seven clients who are not even fully through the process where like they like i don't want anybody to review us until they're fully through the onboarding process so i'm sure we'll have a a bunch more coming but like it's crazy. I just think like, you know, the, the feedback we get from a lot of people is like, you know, it's hard to reach our advisor. Like we can't get a meeting with them quickly. Like they don't follow up and answer our questions. And it's like, okay, if everybody says that the reason why they left their advisors, they didn't listen to them, they didn't get back to them soon enough. And like, they didn't get enough meetings. We, we basically built our whole thing around solving those three problems. And then people are never going to leave. And to be honest, if somebody left us and then went and worked with a different advisor, I guarantee you, they'd be like, oh my gosh, we had it really, really good. Because like, I, 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 there's not a single day where it'll go 24 hours with an email responded. And if a client says, hey, I need to meet and talk about this, I promise within two work days, we will have a meeting on the calendar and we will talk and solve that problem. And like, that is just a huge value. Because if I have to wait till January for my annual review and, you know, I got something big coming up right now, like, why am I paying you? Like, and like some advisors like, well, you have to pay for another hour of time. Like, no, like, I like- Unless they were like, hey, I need to meet with you like every Tuesday or like, you know, once a month. And like then you could be like, hey, if, if it needs to be this regular, like we're gonna increase your fee to reflect that. But not when somebody's like, oh, big life change happened. I needed you. Like they don't want to have to feel like, oh, this is like an inconvenience of your time to be able to help them do what you your job is. Yeah.
1: And that is it's the absolute craziest thing to me because I have the mindset it's like these like they're paying us to do this job and we are responsible for managing their money. Like they deserve all 24 hours of my time. Like I know that's not true. Like you don't want to just be answering phone calls at 2 30 in the morning, but the principle, like I, I just don't understand like how advisors like even think that way or service their clients that way. And I think you're a hundred percent right on like if someone left and went to work with just kind of like a traditional advisor or just like a bigger firm, like they, I think they would probably come back at some point or at least like understand like that this was a different service and maybe they like the other service more like that's completely fine like it, our service isn't for everyone, but we've been so unbelievably intentional about the client experience and everything that goes into every touch point with every single person that interacts with the brand that it's reflecting on everything that we're doing. It's reflecting in the success that we're having. It's reflecting in like the client happiness and the client satisfaction with it. It's reflecting in our own happiness and our own like personal success. Like it's crazy how, just how many good things can happen when you're intentional and like care about the service you're providing and the people that you're providing it for. Like we'll have, like even whenever you schedule a meeting the very first email that you get from us includes a video with us like introducing ourselves and like letting you know what to expect within that first meeting because we understand that most people haven't worked with a financial advisor before and there's a lot of different thoughts probably going through someone's head about like, am I am I going to get made fun of like, I, don't, I just don't know what's even going to happen in this meeting and it's kind of scary and even like our website copy addresses that stuff before someone even schedules a meeting. Like everything that we've done is so intentional. And I'm just happy to see like it's working really yeah. well.
0: I remember when uh you first came to Indy last year and I was like, Hey, I want to go through and like map out the whole client process. And you like we we finish and you're like, This is really overwhelming. Like, this is so much to do. And I was like, remember, like, I think what we need to do is like people get lost. They don't know what's next. Like I've heard that from a bunch of other people, advisors, like, I think we should have follow-up emails and videos in there. And then I think like, once it came together, you were like, this is awesome. Like I, like, I just think that like we, you know, you finish your first meeting, you get a video of here's what needs to get done in the second meeting, okay, you book the second meeting, and it gives you a walkthrough of how to use right capital, and then the questions that we want you to think about and why those questions are super important. then after the second meeting, you know, we have like a reminder of the third meeting, after the third meeting, we have a reminder of like, here's what we're doing the fourth meeting, then, you know, 30 days after the fourth meeting, we send them a reminder to book a next meeting to have a check in. And then three months after the check in, we have a reminder to book their next meeting, like we just have so many touch points in there where like things aren't able to slip through the cracks and you know like unless you're like people say like you don't want to over communicate but what, what that means is you don't want to oversell people don't want to be sold to but if you're communicating things that are helpful to them and like hey you know that your work employee benefits time is coming around book a meeting with us we want to be helpful like you should be communicating that to them and you know, they're gonna feel way more heard and understood because like you're always you're we're telling them when the most valuable time to meet us is like post-tax time, salary and bonus increase time, you know, equity comp vests. Um employee benefit enrollment time. Like those are the four key times we can add the most value for you. You are required to meet with us then. And then throughout the year, we're going to meet with you when things come up. And like, I've kept changing those things to figure out where is the way to add the most value. Because if you don't have set points, a lot of times clients don't take enough advantage of those meetings. And if we're forcing the value and they realize it, like they're like, wow, I wouldn't even thought about maximizing my employee benefits and you helped me do something that was really important wow, like they are ahead of me. And like, even in our first meeting with clients, like almost at the end of every first meeting, I'm like, hey, do you have any questions? And they say, you answered every question I wrote down. And I'm saying, I've done this, you know, hundreds of times. Why would I not be answering the questions I know that you're going to have through our pitch and our process? Like you have to be listening and you have to be addressing things before because it shows that you understand in a better way.
1: 100%, yeah. Like, I think- I think the brand and just like companies in general who prioritize like the client experience, that's going to be like one of the most important things going like forward.
0: Yeah. Like Chick-fil-A is a perfect example of like, everybody talks about how great it is. It doesn't matter how long the line is. They're nice to you. They treat you well, you get through it. Like people love coming back because literally they, they like, they kindly respond. Like that is a focus on client experience. Like there's just so many places that like you own client experience and you can charge a higher rate and people are happier to do it because that's your focus.
1: Yeah. And even because I'm still sort of thinking about like all the different touch points and like how much stuff that like different like other advisors or just like other businesses in general don't think about. And I mean, just like one thing like on our pricing page, because we have like a free tax guide that you can like put your email in, download it, and then you're on our email list and you'll get a new guide every month. But we have a separate guide on the pricing page that's um, seven questions to ask a financial advisor like in the first meeting or whatever it is. And 99.9% of advisors have that kind of content behind a like a, a paywall. Like you'd have to put in your email to get access to whatever this content is. But I also understand that that is very valuable and can help someone within that first meeting, whether it's with us or not. So instead of us like, Asking for their emails, so then we can like try and market it to them. It's just like, take this, like, this is yours, you can have it yours. And then at the very end, there's also like a link to schedule a call with us if they want to. There's a link to the XY Planning Network database that has 800 other fee only advisors. It links to the Certified Digital Asset Advisor database if they're in crypto, like, just so much like abundance and just like focus on that client experience and even things on. Like if someone does sign up for your email list, what's that first email that gets sent out to them? Like, is it the stock template email that comes with whatever email service provider you're using? Or are you like actually introducing what they're about to get with the next newsletter and letting them know what you do and what your business is? Like I got my first client because they downloaded a guide and within the second email, there was a thing that was like prompting them to schedule a call and it kind of like broke down who I work with, what this looks like. They scheduled and became a client. I was just like, this is insane. And there's like, I, I strongly recommend every business owner, especially financial advisors to go through and like, truly think about like every single touch point that someone could have with your business and make it better. Like it'll, you will get more business and you'll get more referrals from it.
0: And expanding on that, like, Know your process. Like I, I cannot tell you how many advisors I go through that don't have a set uniform process. Like ours is so set and uniform that it's automated. Like the in-between points are automated. What comes next? Like that that is what it has to be. Like it has to be uniform. It has to be good. Like you can't go into this next person and be like, well, I'm going to do this meeting different. And then it's going to go this order and that order. Like it's just so unorganized when you do it that way. Um, but okay. Let's wrap up with like two to three key pieces of advice that we would give to business owners. Um, you want to start?
1: Uh, yeah, I'll take it. I think, cause I only really have one and okay. I would say, cause like most people say, like, don't worry about the business name, like just put your idea out there and get started. Like I strongly disagree with that to a point like you that thing is your brand like that is what people are going to know you as like yeah you can like let it evolve over time like I even did that myself like initially it was Peer Tree planning that doesn't mean anything to anyone I thought it was cool but it wasn't really Um, (laughs) and then then when we rebranded this to All Street Wealth it's like that is a complete 180 like that is memorable like I again like very intent like everything that we do is intentional and The name All Street Wealth was also very intentional because I wanted it to be like, because we wanted kind of like the millennial vibe, like just more for our generation, not anything cheesy, not anything just like old looking, it was going to be modern and couldn't really think of like a good name. Like we didn't want a millennial money or modern money management, like anything like that. So... Just kind of came up with the idea and i stole the like inspiration from virgil abloh like with off-white he kind of has this thing called like the one percent rule where you just like take something that exists change it by like one percent like add your little flair to it and then it's kind of like a new thing and that was like the idea behind wall Street. streaks so i was like everyone knows what wall street is they know it's finance money but they don't really know what goes on there so how can we like play off that? And then it's kind of just like drop the W and then it's all street. It's like wall street, but for everyone. And I don't know how much good feedback we've gotten, like just from the name oh. and from the brand itself. Like it's like, I it's going to be there forever. And I think that's just a very like valuable part of a business. And the people who say just start like ABC plumbing company, like that shit's wild to me. Like you've got to put effort into your brand and your name because that's that's what people are going to know you as and
0: yeah. i love that it has to i be love intentional love that love our name um okay a few pieces of advice i have one is like we live in a digital age like your presence online matters like you will lose prospects and clients instantly if they look you up and one they can't find you two your website sucks or three they don't like what you're talking about so like make sure you're talking about things that Politics. are like helpful to them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, and it even goes down to more of like pick a niche. Like, there To be a good business today is find a certain segment of people that you know you can do good work for, figure out what their problems are, and create your business and process around solving those problems. Like That is how the business starts. Don't think you can work with 22-year-olds that are business owners to 65-year-olds in retirement that are And then 50 year old women who are divorced, like it's just (laughs) too hard to have all of those things. And there's no way to create good content and a good process around working with all of this very vast type of people. And then I guess three is just like, know what you want out of your business. Like, I think that's something that was important to us is like, our goal is to build the best financial planning firm for millennials out there. And it's not necessarily to be the next Morgan Stanley, or like, we don't want to be this massive, massive firm. We want to build something that creates an awesome life for us, that we make a great living doing that we love. And both of us would rather make less money and create the better role and hire people than we would to just do all of it and take all the money like that is super important to know so early on it was like I can sacrifice some pay to hire people for these roles because we're getting ourselves to the exact business we want as fast as we possibly can and then we're going to iterate and iterate and iterate and iterate till we absolutely are the best um and those are probably like the main pieces of advice and then the last one is like if you're going to work with a partner like take a lot of time to vet that. Like Trey and I knew each other for like well over a year before we started. We talked all the time. We believed a lot of the same things. Like we figured out that we had different strengths and weaknesses, which made us better. And then like, be a good partner. Like if you were going to do it with somebody, like don't get mad at them for things that they don't do. If you're not doing those things, like same as any relationship or friendship, like you, like, what does an ideal person look like in that role and fake it till you make it, go be that person, go be that advisor, go be that partner, like whatever it is, like, do what you would want the other person to do. Cause like, I don't want trade. I don't have to follow up a train to get stuff done. So why would I want to make him do that to me? Like it's, it's pretty Mm. much that simple.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think that last point carries across all of life, like literally treat people the way you want to be treated and everything will work out just fine. Yeah. That's my exactly. that's my and, last piece of advice.
0: <laughs> and That's a great point because like I don't want to be sold to. And like I we created a whole business around never selling to anybody. Like I know we have to like can like show people why what we do. Yeah, is you gotta why like why introduce matters. your
1: services and like let people know. But
0: we're, we're not DMing work. people or persuading people, like we're sharing information and letting people do it because I hate being sold to. And like, how do I want a financial planner to work with me? I want them to get to know me. I want them to like always follow up. I want them to like first care about my problems over like financials. Like, and so that's what we're doing. Cause that's exactly who I would want to work with. And then we're going to attract people who want that same thing. Like, that's okay. Like you don't have to be all things, all people, as you said earlier.
1: Yeah. And I mean, I think it's working very well because I love all of my clients. Like I've grown slower than I thought I would, but I'm also very happy about that because I don't dread anything within the business. Like I love the clients that I work with. They are the right fit for what I'm trying to do. And I'm growing with the right clients as well through like the content marketing and defining like that specific group of people. So, 100%. I I can't imagine what the next year is going to look like with how successful the first year is, and we're literally just getting started. Like so many ideas that haven't even seen the light of day yet.
0: Hundred percent. Well, everybody, hopefully you found this episode great. Like this is probably one of my favorite episodes that this we've was amazing done in a while. <laughs> I'm glad that it ended up kind of falling through, and we pivoted to doing this, but. Yeah, let us know what you guys think. um, And we will see you back again next week. And give us a five-star review and go subscribe to us on YouTube as well. See you guys next week.